You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 277, we're discussing our Black Widow prelude to Spider-Man No Way Home and Loki. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And yes, this is the house that Batman built, but Captain America is back in the seat here. Carlos, my dude, it was an absolute pleasure last week watching you and listening to you run the show with Jay and Troy. Jay from Invasion of the Remake. You guys absolutely killed it. And I'm I'm so pumped to be back but it was really nice to be a listener last week. Thanks, dude. Uh, hopefully I did you proud kind of thing. It's, uh, I, I got to tell you, I had a few of those Sam Wilson moments <laughs> holding that shield, you know, logging on, putting my mic in the stand. It feels like this belongs to somebody else. But uh, yeah, I'm glad the show <laughs> I'm glad the show came together. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun recording with Jay and the listeners seemed to like it. So yeah, maybe that's something we can build on in the future and whatnot. But uh yeah, it was a hoot and just something different, a little change of gears for us. So yeah, man, it was it was yeah. great. Like I said, being in the listener seat is something that I'm not really used to. I take about one or two episodes off in a year, and so I've you know only taken a handful off in the history of the podcast. But having you in the driver's seat there and with Jay in the comic shop top, it was it was brilliant, man. So if you guys haven't listened to that one, go back one episode and check out last week's banger of an episode where we take a little detour away from some of the, the, the movie stuff and the show stuff and get deep into the comic industry alongside Jay, who is a straight OG, and man, does he have some serious knowledge in that comic game. Wow. Yeah, man. If anybody's got that street cred for uh, those floppies, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this week, guys, now that we're back, the MCU is almost back on the big screen. This Friday, Black Widow finally hits Disney Plus and the theaters and it's gonna be our first mcu film in over two years which is wild to think because we still have three more at the end of this year after black widow but having that humongous gap between theatrical releases yes we've had the disney plus shows which we're going to touch on today but seeing something on the big screen or maybe in your and i case more on disney plus in our home theaters but it's going to be exciting, and we're going to break down what we think Black Widow is going to be all about, how we're going to be experiencing it, and maybe where it is going to lead the MCU, being one of those films set in and kind of tucked into that that previous space, and not so much running with this forward narrative, but really seeing what this could add to the larger story that we're seeing unfold in Disney+, and maybe in Spider-Man No Way Home, which we're also going to touch on because we had a bunch of action figure and Funko Pop reveals, which is very strange because we have yet to have a trailer. And so I'm curious as to what we both think about this marketing strategy, rolling this out and giving us some plot points, some insight as to what this film could be because out of any film right now in the MCU, I think all the way leading through 2022, this is the one that no one has any idea about. Well, we think we have an idea about, but we don't have really any information on the first legit stuff we're getting from Marvel. It's a couple Legends figures and some Funko Pops with a very odd Doctor Strange holding a shovel. So <laughs> we're going to get into that and break that down. And we're also going to touch on episodes three and four of Loki, which is really starting to pick up the pace after a bit of a slow episode there at episode three. So we're going to break some of that down. But guys, before we get into my favorite segment 
of the week, we do have to touch on one thing, and that is the tragic passing of one Richard Donner. This man, a director, a, a real pioneer in the superhero space, the man that brought us Superman, the man that brought us Goonies, Lethal Weapon. He leaves behind him a large legacy of film and a large legacy of contributing in major ways to the things that we talk about here each and every week. So I'd just like to pass on our, our sympathies and, and our thoughts to his family. And I know you've got a big connection to Donner here as well, Carlos. You know, Goonies is a big one for me. Me and my dad were, were big fans of that. I remember watching that as a kid. Um, but Superman 87, man, it's the one that kicked it all off. And this is the guy that, that really brought to the screen the first legit superhero movie. Yeah, man. Like uh, Superman 78, that, that just such a special movie. Like it makes my heart swell every single time. Like I can watch that helicopter rescue scene and then start that helicopter rescue scene immediately after and get emotional both times. Like it's just, there's just something that he captured with that film and there's just so much magic to it. And, and yeah, it was the first of the big budget superhero spectacles, but we literally were doing an MCU show today. Kevin Feige himself literally said there would be no MCU uh, without Richard Donner. And in fact, I watched a, um, a tribute to him and Feige was speaking at it and he said, Richard Donner gave him his first unpaid job, his first paid job, gave him his first producing gig and taught him basically everything he knows about the business and really molded Kevin Feige's mindset with his approach to the MCU. And he talks about the things that Donner used to have written down with verisimilitude and um, the intent with making these types of movies. And then when they endeavored to make Iron Man, that... Richard Donner's sage advice was written down and placed over John Favreau's door so that they went into this with the same heart and mind that Richard Donner went into Superman 78 with. So yeah, man, like, you know, you love, if you love Superman 78, you know how special that guy is. But if you love the MCU, it doesn't mm -hmm. exist without the legacy of Richard Donner. So yeah, man, uh, a loss of an absolute titan in the industry yes and that's to say nothing for things like the omen and goonies like you mentioned and lethal weapon like these are huge beloved franchises but uh yeah we're obviously in the nerd space so yes. that's where his legacy is going to be felt the most yeah a forever legacy and something that yeah like you said it provided the foundation for literally everything we talk about for the most part here on a, on a week-to-week -week basis so yes rest in peace richard donner all right, my dude. It's it's been a it's been a week or two since I got to discuss some nerds, some this week in nerd, my favorite segment of every single week. And man, I've I've been sharing some pictures with you. So my my I've been on this cross country trip with my family. We've come out to see my parents. They live about two thousand miles, about thirty two hundred kilometers away from my place in Calgary. And we drove out here because we haven't seen them since the start of this pandemic it's been about two years since i've seen my parents and so we figured this is the safest and best way to get out to see them but what it also provided was a mechanism a way a, a transport to get some of my childhood toys home and i've spent some time digging through some bins i don't have a lot left here at my parents but i haven't been out on the hunt in the same way that we 
usually talk about here. You know, my plastic anxiety is, is being filled right now by some of the stuff that I've been finding from my childhood. And and one of the things I posted on Instagram today was my my plush state puff marshmallow man from this is I think 1984, 86, where this marshmallow man entered my life probably 1986 because I wasn't born in 84 but I've been looking for this thing for literally years and my sister actually found it in her basement which I'm sitting in right now recording she handed it to me when I got here and it's in great condition it's one of those things you look at you're like there's so much nostalgia so many memories embedded in this simple plush toy from a movie from a tv series that was beloved as a child that I found a passion for here again throughout the pandemic, I, I tell you, man, that it's moments like this that I love being a collector. It's it's simple. It's straightforward. It didn't cost me anything. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, it comes with so much nostalgic baggage that I, I was so thrilled to have something like this back in my collection. Man, that's amazing. And I know you've been uh, wanting to reconnect with that Stay Puff for a while there. Like, basically since the retro toy thing yeah. fired up again. So I'm glad that you were able to find him and that he's in such great shape and back back where he belongs. Yeah. I got to ask though, have you been sleeping with him? Yes and no. Like he's above me. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about scratching it a little more. I was, I was quite surprised because even I put it in this this cupboard we have above our, our bed in the RV that we're in. And I put it in at night and the eyeballs and the mouse still, the glow effect still works. So when I put it That's in, I was amazing. like, whoa, the glow effect still works. I, it was really cool. Really cool experience to see some things. I also grabbed the Batman Returns Batmobile. It's missing quite a few pieces, but it still has the button where the two, uh, I guess the, the sides pop off, and it creates that really narrow Batmobile to go through the alley, I believe, in Batman Returns. Yeah. You got the Bat Missile effect going. So, yeah, yeah you're set, man. Yeah. We'll have to piece that thing thing out. Yeah, there's a few. I'm missing kind of, I guess, would would be the 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 bat looking things that go on the side of the the two pieces that pop off to make it look more like the Batmobile, the kind of wings or whatever. Call it a couple of missiles in okay. the canopy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna piece it together. Actually, I don't have a ton of Batman stuff in my collection, but it's something that I remember as a child. And I think I could probably buy one or two extra ones with some just to get some various pieces off of. But I got that. And then the big thing, actually, you know, I, I talked about a lot about about my dad and how him and I connect over certain franchises and back to the future in particular being one of them. And my dad's a pretty handy guy. And so I get home and, you know, we do all the hugging and haven't seen you in two years. And we kind of talk a few things out. He sees the girls and everything. And he says, I, I got something for you. I said, Oh, okay, cool. Like I thought, you know, maybe he found some more toys or whatever. And he says, no, no, I, I built something. So he's got, it's up on my, my parents' kitchen counter and it's got a towel over top of it. So he walks up and does a whole like magician. There goes a towel. And he spent the last, since January, so like the last six months, building a replica flux capacitor from Back to the Future, the thing that's in the car, and also like all of the parts of the dashboard thing that turn it all on. And so what he did, he went in and took like freeze frame shots from the film and recreated. And he knew, he said, like he didn't use plans or anything. He said he knew how big certain things were. And so he'd do like ratios off of those to figure out how big the box needed to be, how big. And this thing like lights up, it plugs in, all the buttons work, you click it on and the flux capacitor works and all this. And he got all these cool like custom stickers. He even went in 
and I, I don't, you guys will have to look up what a, the flex capacitor is, but it's got like these red, you know, warning labels on it, but it's made from an old school label maker that's actually embossed. He went and bought an old one of those. So everything is like legit. It is unbelievable. I haven't stopped looking at it for a week and flicking it on and off. And it, it was just blew my brain apart that one, that he went to that effort for me. And two, just how detailed this thing is. I'm going to put a picture up on the Instagram at the nerd RM. But Carlos, I sent you a photo of this thing and being like, I sent it to Kyle and some of the other guys. Like, it is unbelievable what he put together, and it's and it's all about that connection through Back to the Future. Him and I have watched Back to the Future twice since I've been home together too. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Like, not only did he do a spectacular job, like that thing is perfect, but just what a special and thoughtful gift. Like, mm. it it blows my mind. Like that he just had the thought to make that for you. That's and that amazing. was his, his little project there. And yeah, that'll be something you should cherish forever type of thing. So oh, yeah, it's going to have a prominent place in, in the nerd room. And yeah, it touches my heart. And so just a really special way that, yeah, like you said, that he would take the time and effort to put into that. And it's, and I've chronicled that here on the podcast. It's that we have certain connection points to these certain films where, you know, we could be a million miles apart and he'll just text me randomly, like random back future trivia. Uh, as he's watching it and sometimes we'll like you know i'll watch it one night and he'll watch another and and so it's it's a really cool point it's been a, a really special thing like i've said throughout the podcast about these certain franchises the turtles and back to the future stuff that was from my childhood where you know we made sure we kept in close contact because we've been a, apart for so long and this has been a nice way to to bond over a distance because these are things that we can relate to and him doing stuff like this is is absolutely incredible so yes i can time travel now because I do own a fully functioning flux capacitor. <laughs> so, yeah, taking that nerd RV to a whole nother level. Exactly, man. Carlos thinks I should mount it in there, just <laughs> streaming down the highway. And like, What's going on in there? So, yeah, make sure to check out the Instagram here. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop it up. I was waiting for a nighttime photo so you can see all the lights and everything on it because uh, we just finished putting some of the the last stickers on it today he had some custom stickers actually that go on the inside that you can't really see in the film and his detail but he's got them all customized to have my daughter's birthdays on it and my wife and i's initials and all that just in some of the serial number spots just so it's it, it is ours so it's, it's really really cool and so yeah I, i'm super stoked to have stuff like this and it's been a lot about the nostalgia and revisiting childhood and catching up with my parents and all that over the last couple of weeks and so that's that's been my couple of weeks, man. It's been a very enjoyable. But how about how about you, man? I, I love the, the participation from Jay last week and what you got. And we got to hear Troy download us on what he's been doing over the last month or two as well. Yeah, man. It's uh you know what? More than anything, my life has been hot. It has been <laughs> incredibly hot in our city. And being in Calgary, like there's never ever been a need for air conditioning here. Um historically we'll get kind of two, three days where it's 30 above Celsius. I'm not going to do the conversion to Fahrenheit because quite frankly, metric is the system yeah. that everybody <laughs> should be using. So to our American listeners, use this as an opportunity to better yourself. And if there's any pushback, NASA uses the metric system. That's all you got to say about that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we usually only get like two days where it's crazy hot, but uh, now it's like we're getting kind of, spaces of like a week or two weeks where it's really, really smoking hot. So I've been dying here, but the way this ties into this week in nerd <laughs> is man, it's been raining 
action figures in my house. <laughs> so <laughs> my daughter is she's got her little five oh first starting to to go and the rebels and they're on shelves above her bed. And for like four or five nights in a row, she was kind of groggy and grumpy. And I'm like, what's going on? Why are you so tired all the time? Like, I, I get it. It's hot and fans can only do so much. And she's like, no, she's like freaking echo, like came flying down at two o'clock in the morning and <laughs> knocked me on my head. And then like a couple of days later, it's Ezra who's leaping through the air and taking her out and stuff <laughs> like that. And um, even on the way down to the Batcave, the Bat family has been falling all over the place. So on the on the hottest days... Uh, almost every single time I walked downstairs, Batgirl or Nightwing or Red Hood was <laughs> sitting on the landing kind of thing off the little ledge that I had them on. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been crazy hot here. But with those figures, I finally unboxed the last of my death metal figures oh, yeah. and set up the display in all its glory. So all the individual kind of photo galleries of the figures are on the NerdRM Instagram and... Uh, just on my Twitter feed, I just posted a real quick shot after I placed the the heroes in the back of the the Dark Knights metal kind of thing. And man, it's a cool display. Like mm-hmm. it, it, this is the first kind of big action figure display I've ever put together. To be honest with you, like um, all the action figure collecting I've done historically was in box, and you know a lot of the stuff I've done since then has been kind of yeah here's the figures just on the line but this is like a big cool media display i put together and i was like oh i get it now like i i get why we have so many friends from like the star wars commonwealth and stuff that put together these cool displays mm-hmm. and build dioramas and darth and the all the stuff photography yeah man like it's just it's just fun and like yeah i've got that itch now like even today i was making calls at work and i was like oh what figures do I want to play with while I suffer these fools on the phone? So <laughs> play, playing with a <laughs> playing with a couple figs and posing them up and stuff. So that's been cool. And uh, with the posing of figs, my wife, um, she got the call from the local. Still no Captain America oh, for your boy. No. But um, yeah, we got the email that uh, her Mezco Wonder Woman figure came in. And uh, she rolls into the house with this thing after picking it up. And, like, the first thing she says is, like, makes fun of Troy and I because we've been threatening to pick up one of these figures and put one on pre-order. And she beat us to the punch, man. Like, she she pulled the trigger way before either one of us. And what an incredible toy. Like, these Mezco figures are no joke. Like, Darth Goody gave me one as a gift last year, and that was the highlight of my year a nerd type of thing. And to to take one of these out of the box and just the tiny little pieces, like she comes with bracelets that have magnets in them, and you can stick kind of deflected bullets. Oh. And not only are the yeah, and so not only are they little like um, uh, clear explosions that you stick on her, for lack of a better term, on her wrists. But if you look closely, you can actually see the bullet and then there's little fragments of bullet painted into, this is like a one-tenth scale figure. It's insane, the level of detail and the posability and the face sculpts on it are gorgeous and the hair and wired cape and all that. So that's cool. And then while she was there, she actually also picked me up uh, the NECA one-quarter Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman doll from Batman Returns. So this thing is cool. I haven't opened it up yet, but it's just because like, ah, oh man, the packaging is so nice. Like it's, 
It's displayed in there really cool. And then at the top, it's got like a little clear window, but it's like the Shrek's department store mm. with the cat on it and stuff like that. So she is going to come out because she's too nice to stay in the box. And the uh, glamour shots that NECA put on the back of the box are a sight to behold. But like they they gave her two heads, like kind of a, a neutral expression, mm-hmm. which is like you can actually pick out the, the frames of the movie where they peel that from. So... They perfected that, but the one that's a showstopper is they gave her like the disheveled look with the mask with the rips and the hair coming out and whatnot. And she's got kind of a a snarl on her face. And it is Michelle Pfeiffer perfected. And uh man, NECA killing it in this space. And for a quarter scale figure, it's like a third, if not a fifth, of what you usually pay for those things from some of the other producers. So man, if uh if you're in the market for something in that kind of size and scale, you can't go wrong with these guys. And yeah, shout out to my boy, Rick. He's the one who gave us the heads up on, on those figures coming out. So I'd ordered the Catwoman and the Michael Keaton Batman, which hasn't come in yet. But uh, I don't know. This figure is so nice in hand that I, I might even get the Penguin. So we'll see where that goes. Those neck quarter scale stuff, because they did the Turtles in the quarter scale as well. And mm. they look very nice and i've i don't own any quarter scale at least on the neck side of things and so uh, now that you're saying how good of quality i've never seen one of the turtle ones but NECA continues to do something special i don't know man they, they're hitting all these franchises in serious ways i even brought i brought a neck of marty back for my dad like he hands me this flux capacitor and i handed him the marty and well i guess this isn't <laughs> it's the same scale but <laughs> Yeah, I, I love what NECA's doing. Yeah, and you sent me photos of the Catwoman as well, and it looks pretty, man. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's it's too nice to sit in the box kind of thing. So she'll be out sooner than later. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it's a gorgeous fig. So I'll, I'll I'll post some shots, and who knows? Maybe some quarter-scale turtles will be inspired by uh I Don't say that. Well, do Instagram. say that because, I don't know, I got this new energy now that I've kind of gotten out beyond the, the shackles of my basement first time in two years and i'm seeing all this new stuff and experiencing i hugged a person so i'm feeling i'm feeling really really great now so who knows what will come home with me in the next little bit <laughs> so man, let's move on to the mcu talk the mcu talk is going to be dominating the rest of the episode here we're going to talk through some no way home right now loki and then of course getting to black widow you know given that the mcu is going to be reframing itself now for a big back end of 2021 we've got four movies we've got the end of loki we've got at least two to three more shows including the what if potentially miss marvel hawkeye so there's a lot of mcu to digest over the next six months or so and arguably one of the most anticipated properties or anticipated films is going to be spider-man no way home we've seen some trailers from shang chi we've seen the eternal stuff we've talked about that we've talked about loki captain america the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I should say, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, however you want to put that now. We we got it, we've gotten through WandaVision. We've seen a lot of MCU, but we're gonna go into Black Widow here. But I think arguably the film that most people are most intrigued by, given some of the foundation that has also been laid by Loki and by Wanda, it's Spider-Man No Way Home. It's a film we know almost nothing about. There is a ton of speculation online. And there's also some expectations now as to what this is going to be. Is this going to be a Spider-Man exit? Is this going to be a live-action Spider-Verse? Well, Marvel isn't showing their hand 
just quite yet on that. We don't have a trailer, which to be honest with you, I'm I'm pretty I don't really care too much about it. We'll get it when we get it. But I gotta ask about how they're approaching this. We we still don't have a ton of info, but this past week, Marvel on Marvel.com dropped what is usually the first swath of official figure reveals. And this usually comes after the trailer. We got some legends. We got some Funko Pops here, which does give us some insights into some of the concepts of what the film is going to be and potentially even some of the main plot points given what we saw. So spoilers for No Way Home here. But I have to ask you, Carlos, before we get into the new suits and Doctor Strange and all this, what sort of marketing strategy is this? Is this a stumble or is this some sort of genius ploy by Feige and Co. about cutting off some of the speculation or getting in front of some of the maybe complaints about the suits or what they're going to be or what they're going to be doing with this film. You know, a lot of people expected Maguire and Garfield and what this maybe Miles Morales, but this film already, given what we see here, this film already looks pretty dense given what they're mm-hmm. going to transition Spider-Man into. So, Talk to me about the marketing here first. Well, like, what is this coming from Marvel? Because Marvel doesn't trip too much when it comes to this stuff. No. Well, I think that what happened first was the Lego sets got leaked, yes. right? Yes. And those were like definite leaked. And then by the evening, Marvel put out the official releases and whatnot. So maybe a bit of damage control because mm-hmm. you get to see the suits a bit better showcased by the Funko Pops and... Uh, the Legends figures especially, as opposed to just the Lego figures. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because they're definitely not one for leaks, although the toys, the, mar- the Legos always, always come out, Lego. <laughs> but you have to oh, remember, because yeah, they ruined Giant Man, right? Yeah, they ruined Giant Man. But the one thing I will put out there with Lego, there's been plenty of films with random Lego sets that are there because they're Lego and you get the gist of something but they really don't tell you much. Like if you remember back to even all the way back to Iron Man three, there was some boat chase scene never happened. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff, even from infinity War Endgame that were there, like some big helicopter chase scene with Nebula never happened. So I always take the Lego stuff with a grain of salt. Usually the minifigs give you some idea directionally as to what's going on, but I, I would take most Lego reveals or leaks as okay maybe we get an idea from here but it's probably not going to spoil too too much yeah i didn't read too much into it although like you got to figure that if dr strange is in the movie you're probably going to see the sanctum yes right and they have that set built already it's been it's come out three times i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i did i intentionally didn't pay a ton of attention to the other sets outside of the just a quick look as to what the costumes would look like and whatnot. Just I wanted to avoid the spoilers a bit as much as I, mm. as much as you can. So I didn't want to see like X, Y, Z showdown and know how the climax of the movie is exactly. going to play out. <laughs> well, and I, I agree with you that, you know, maybe it is a little bit of damage control and I, I just don't see Marvel missing too much. Like there, there's a reason and it could be because black widow is coming out this week. It could be that they want to get Eternals and Shang-Chi out first because, yes, they're coming closer when you look at release order. And Spider-Man itself probably doesn't need too much of a sales pitch to get people into theaters, given especially it's going to be in December, and I think hopefully we'll be in a bit better place 
with the pandemic and with the theater space. And Spider-Man, it doesn't need the same sort of fanfare and attention that your Shang-Chi and your Eternals, even your Black Widow is going to need. And so mm-hmm. I am curious. It is odd that we are getting some of these reveals. Let's let's talk about some of them. The, the Spider-Man suits in particular. We've got a modified iron suit. We've got an integrated suit. We've got some suit that looks like he's doing magic. So... Yeah. It it it's odd. See, that's that's kind of one of the plot points that has brought a lot of confusion to the fan base as to what exactly they're going to be doing with Spider-Man because this isn't going to be a personalized story. And I know a lot of people want a personalized Spider-Man story, but this is again another bigger piece in this giant narrative that they're building out for four, five, and six. Like this is going to be an important movie. We're seeing the stuff in Loki. We've seen it in Wandavision. Multiverse of Madness is coming. Doctor Strange is in this film. So that like there's this huge connection thread. And they seem to be using Spider-Man in some capacity to build out this humongous scope because it's gonna have the most eyes on it. But you're a Spider-Man guy. You love him. We don't have Troy on the podcast here this week, but seeing the MCU take this character in that direction, how do you feel about that? Uh, you know what? For me, it, it's fine. Like I've I made my peace with the MCU's version of Spider-Man a long time ago, in that he's the Spider-Man of this universe, yeah. and it might not be the way I'd tailor make Spider-Man. It might not even be the archetypal Spider-Man, but it's a Spider-Man, and he's just as valid as the Spider-Man on the '90s cartoon or the '66 cartoon, or in the comic books type of thing. So yeah, like that's, that's how I look at it. Like there is a multiverse for lack of a better term. And the Tom Holland, Spider-Man is just the Spider-Man that occupies the MCU version mm-hmm. of it. So um, yeah, it, it, it's okay. I, I'm not wild about the suits, like yeah. the iron spider suit from infinity war and Endgame is, it's honestly like my least favorite Spider-Man costume ever mm-hmm. of all the iterations of them. <laughs> and, and so to see it kind of come back with just bolder and golder type of thing, I'm like, oh, no. And then the all black suit with the gold accents, I wasn't wild about, but it's whatever. Like, if I don't like it, I just have to wait till his next appearance and it'll be different. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of like I said to you in the DM Maybe the reason Tom Holland's suits are so funky is that if and when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield show up, they're probably going to have the more classic costumes. So this will give a bit of visual variety to the Spider-Men doing their thing. So that might be why. And so if that's the case, it's all good, right? So Yeah, you're going to need that because if you have those traditional suits and you have Holland in a more traditional suit, which I think we'll get in this film, to be honest with you, it's going to be hard to tell them apart on screen. And the way I'm looking at this film, even with the reveals in here, is that it's probably going to be split into two chunks. You're going to have your first chunk, which is going to build out this multiverse thing, if this is the direction that they're going. Doctor Strange heavy. Your back half is going to be where you're going to have all this crazy stuff, if that's the direction that they're going. And so I would have to take a wild stab that these suits that we're seeing, probably only in the first bit of the film. Like, we had that black stealth suit. It was in one scene, right? Like, one major scene. So, I don't know. Like, it's... You can compare to Iron Man. You can compare it to Spider-Man. 
one, it's he's the most popular action figure of all time. <laughs> you know, he sells the most merchandise. You got to have multiple suits in the same fashion that you have Iron Man. This is just a business decision. But also, I think those suits will serve a purpose. And I, I, I really do think he'll grade back into something a bit more traditional before we get to the final battle sequence. Yeah, see, and I don't think so. No, I, I think that they'll just keep him. Like, they'll keep Tom Holland's totally separate, and with all the trappings of that version of Spider-Man, which is which is fine, right? And then, like, you'll have Andrew Garfield with his amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. suit, and it's like, well, that's that Mark Bagley look that everybody who grew up in the '90s is familiar with. So, so off we go, type of thing. So, it's definitely going to be interesting, man. And I, I'm totally there with you when it comes to Spider-Man in the MCU. He is a Spider-Man. That's the kind of way I look at it, right? He's not the Spider-Man. He is a Spider-Man. And he fits into this huge narrative that they built out, right? They they leaned into Tony being the Uncle Ben of this universe in some capacity. And he's not your idealized version of that character. But he is definitely the mentor. And this is where they've left it from. And I think that is your maybe your pitfall of having this connected universe and having Spider-Man come in so late to it. But it's also, I think... To me, it's been a real highlight having him integrated in that way. And so to me, it just comes out of the story and it fits the story. Yeah. To be honest, like if you're going to lay the blame at anybody's feet, like I'd almost be reluctant to lay it at Feige and the MCU's feet because the reason that they leaned so hard, in my opinion, into the whole Tony Stark connection with Spider-Man and he replaced Uncle Ben was that you kind of schmozzled up whatever you were doing in the Sony verse. And so you needed to supercharge Spider-Man again. So what better way than to make him a fundamental part of this white hot, most popular brand in the world Mm -hmm. and, and just tie him at his core to the tentpole of that thing. So yeah, like there was a, an intent and a purpose to why they constructed this Spider-Man that way. And yeah, it's. I think it was the smart financial decision, or maybe yeah. that's what they were thinking. Yeah, and like so, we've talked before about interpretations and kind of the root meaning of interpretation. Right, it is taking something and changing it for a different medium, for a different purpose, for a different audience, even right. And this this Spider Man, I think, lands pretty well with the general audience, and. It, I, I don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with these suits. I'm really interested to see if he's actually going to do magic because that'll be a, a huge divergence from anything we've ever seen in Spider-Man. And, and does it take away a little bit from people like Wanda and Doctor Strange if Spider-Man can roll up and all of a sudden do the whoosh, 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 magic stuff? Because that's what one of those Funkos kind of implies, right? He's got the weird Doc Strange thing on his chest and in his hand. And so that that's going to be something that that needs a bit of explanation. But who knows? Is it might not even be him. Maybe it's Doctor Strange in that suit. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe he has tech that does the magic for him. And they go full full Iron Man, just yeah. like when he made like the Iron Man destroyer armor yeah. and stuff. But ah, uh, oh, whatever. Like if it if it's awesome, awesome. And if it kind of falls on its face, I am I, I will say with a hundred and ten percent certainty. There will be another Spider-Man movie. Yes. So I think you'd be just wait that. for the next one. Well, and in, in Foggy, I trust when it comes to all this stuff, right? It's 
I, I find it hard to make judgments off of Marvel Legends. Like you can you can knock the figure and all that, and even the style of the suit. But I think it means something completely different to look like. Look also, concept stuff. You know, I've talked about this before. Your first wave of Marvel Legends are usually your concept stuff because it's not mm-hmm. always what Hasbro gets. It's not always a final product. You've seen this a lot in Infinity War, Endgame, everything, right? And then you get another wave of, of final products and all that. And so I, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not reading too much into this. And to be honest with you, it just gets me a bit more excited for the film that we're actually starting to see something coming out of it. And a lot of intrigue. Doctor Strange seems to be a very big piece of it, less so of a, a cameo, more so of a more integrated supporting cast to the Spider-Man story. And so all of it excites me, if I'm being honest with you. I'm, I don't ever get too – I'm not too hung up on the the suits and all that. It doesn't really bother me, but what am I? <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing with No Way Home is I, I really do think we're going to get a trailer here probably in the week or two after Black Widow because you release a trailer right now, you take some heat and you take some discussion and you take some focus away from – that film and that's where all the mcu all the marvel studios focus needs to be right now is getting this black widow movie over that hundred million dollar mark and proving that not only can black widow support a large-scale film but also that the theatrical industry is back in a major way and what a way to bring it back than with an mcu film right you kind of left the pandemic or started the pandemic at the end with Endgame and Far From Home, biggest film of all time. What a great way to bring back the theatrical experience. Yes, I know we've had Fast and the Furious and all that kind of stuff, but this to me is the first real one. So it's going to be interesting to see how that rolls out. Yeah, no, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting weekend for sure. I, I think it'll do gangbuster business, to be honest oh, yeah. with you. So, oh yeah, but we'll get into that in a minute. Yes, we will, because we got to talk some Loki while we are running with this MCU thread. So we've chronicled episode one and two in a little bit of detail over the past couple of weeks. And episode three and four have come out since the last time we talked, Carlos. And now we ended that episode two conversation with the reveal of who turned out to be Sylvie, who is maybe the Enchantress, who is also a Loki in some capacity. But this character has seen some nice step evolution over the next couple of episodes, episodes three and four, I guess. Spoilers. That was a big spoiler if uh, you didn't get that. But I want your opinion here. As we went to episode three, it seemed to slow down a lot. We got a a lot of setup. We got a lot of character development. We got a lot of one-on-one with Tom Hiddleston's Loki and with his character Sylvie. And then we move into episode four. We start to see things start to really progress and really amp up. And to be honest with you, take it in a direction which... I did not feel it was going to go this early in the show. Episode four of six, yes, but they've got some serious work to do to pick up the threads and some of that cliffhanger that they left us on in episode four. So how are you feeling about Loki as we've progressed through the midpoint of this Disney Plus series? Oh, man, I'm digging this show. Like, it's uh, out of the three shows so far, this is the first one where I'm, like, really really looking forward to the next episode Mm. and doing a bit of theory crafting in my head and it's like i like the other two well enough but you know after the first kind of episode or two uh, my interest waned a little bit and both of those series had a really special episode in them which um propped the whole thing up for me but with this one it's been consistently great and consistently given me something to chew on every week and 
I just love the journey that they're taking Hiddleston's Loki on, be it Loki Prime or a version of Loki Prime or whatever he is. And uh, I've really been enjoying this kind of evolution of his character and this, you see him fighting with himself Mm -hmm. every single episode. And so, yeah, I'm fascinated to see where it all ends up. And I'm almost more interested in just the character journey for him than I am with what happens with the Time Variance Authority and th- this group that we meet in the post credit scenes at episode four. But uh, And all of that is very good and very compelling and very well-crafted as well. But uh, yeah, it, it's a... Uh, man, this one's a joy. I, I really look forward to catching it on Wednesdays. Yeah, man. It, it's turned out to be one of those shows that it's so engaging and intriguing that you sit there after every episode, after every post credit and you're like, Whoa, like this is, this is something else. Like they're, they're taking this in a, in a really cool direction. And to see where they went at the end of episode four here, after what I said was a slower episode three is also super intriguing. Like they spent this time basically walking together, Sylvia and Loki in episode three to set up a lot of stuff. And episode mm-hmm. four picked up on those threads. And that's the thing I love about, this Disney plus is it allows you time to work with these characters. It gives them time to develop these characters outside of the need to get to the next major plot point or the next major fight scene or the next major step evolution in what they're doing with the narrative. This gives us a whole episode where you can have all that contextualization dump in an episode where you have just as great conversation as the world is ending around them. Like it was such, I thought that was such a cool environment for them to have these discussions and to see, like you said, the progression of Loki as he comes to these stark realizations as he's walking through, as he's having a, a great cameo from, from Lady Sif in there, beat him up. And he kind of has these, these moments that you see him really evolving and taking these huge leaps as a character. And Hiddleston, man, that guy continues to absolutely enthrall me with his portrayal of Loki. You cannot turn away when he's on the screen. There's just so much nuance with his performance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, and I don't know that I was ever sick of him in the MCU uh, proper, but uh, I certainly finished Infinity War feeling that his story was done mm-hmm. and I was I was good with it and I got to admit like I was a little disappointed when they had the setup scene in Endgame with the Tesseract but now I'm I'm like what a what a boon that was <laughs> you've created this whole wonderful new show out of something that I was pretty skeptical about uh, going in if I'm honest so yeah it, give me season two give me season three I'm I would love to see a scenario in which there's a replacement for the time variance authority and it's Loki trying to do the right thing kind of thing despite himself. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows where it'll all go? Well, I think that that the idea that his character was waning with a lot of us was because he's going in these circles, right? Where he would befriend Thor in some capacity turn on him, move on, do his God of Mischief thing. And then that that cycle keeps going. And you see this with TV shows a lot too, where you have a character killed off because you cannot write this character in any other direction. And Loki was one of those characters. It took a show like this to strip down the fundamentals that you 
attach Loki to, which is Thor and Asgard and all this, and you put him somewhere completely different, and you see this huge change in this character. And so taking him out of the Thor franchise has been the one of the best things for the character because you can write him in any direction, him being the lead. You don't have to follow foot or follow pace behind Thor, which is your your protagonist, which is the person that is always above and beyond your Loki. It gives him the room to develop. And you can't do that inside of the Thor fan franchise proper, especially now the direction that are going with, with Thor 4, Love and Thunder. Yeah, no, it gives him his own agency. And like, I, I really love Ragnarok. It's one of my favorite mm. MCU movies. But I actually found Loki, as cool as he was in that movie, that style and that space didn't allow Hiddleston's version of the character to thrive the way he does in mm -hmm. this. Like, I, I think you need a kind of straight environment around him yeah. where he can really uh, be that agent of chaos to steal a term from my franchise <laughs> to, to just suck an audience's attention to. So, yeah, no, what a pleasure the show has been to consume on a weekly basis yeah now we open that pandora's box of speculation here i'm gonna ask i'm gonna ask you one question here so with the demise of or the apparent demise of the very oz like timekeepers loki mobius we've seen them trimmed what happens next what happens next in this series now we don't have to go anywhere crazy with this but We've got two episodes left. Where do they have to leave this so that the threads are picked up in your multiverse of madness? Does is it left in in chaos? And that's where Doc Strange picks up on some of this. Man, I don't know. I I truly don't know. Because we're we're really excited uh, about this governance that the MCU was putting in front of us, this mechanism to control the multiverse. And there mm -hmm. is some some potential that that mechanism doesn't exist by the end of this show. Well, and maybe this is where your Jonathan Majors Kang comes into play mm -hmm. because him being in Ant-Man and the Wasp 2 is kind of a weird spot for Kang to show up yes. in uh, Quantum Mania. Really weird. Yeah, whereas with a show that's based on the rules and breaking the rules of time... <laughs> like mm -hmm. Kang is tailor made for that kind of show, right? So, um, yeah, I I'm curious. I'm curious to see where Gugu's character goes as like that judge who seems to be the only person who knew the truth as to mm -hmm. what was what was abound. Um, obviously, they kicked open the door with the the first true taste of the multiverse in the MCU, where we see multiple versions of the same character and. Um, yeah, we had Sylvie, but she was different enough than Loki where it didn't it didn't really smack you in the face the way the post credit scene did. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll be uh, man, I'm fascinated to see where they take it in two more episodes, so one tomorrow and mm -hmm. one a week later. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I love with with Sylvie's origin too that she was considered enough of a divergence inside of the multiverse that they needed to prune her that mm -hmm. they need that she couldn't exist i thought that was that was a really cool way to, to do that and i really do think she's the enchantress like i guess her powers are enchantment and 
she's gone i think enough in that direction that we could see that character continue into what would be the prime version or mcu prime timeline well and isn't there like a version of enchantress with young avengers and her name is sylvie something or other yeah yeah that is like a proper enchantress name yeah for sure and i i can't remember how her original or origin is or what her but there is a close tie to loki if i remember correctly like her comic book origin oh like the og one yeah like she was just kind of like another she was like a villainous version of yeah the pantheon in in asgard right and Mm -hmm. she was always thirsty for thor because that's how we used to write things in the (laughs) back then in the silver age right so um that that was kind of her whole shtick so this version is infinitely more interesting than that yes i agree and you know i don't know if i'm gonna weigh into here i I like your kang thread there i'll be i'll be really surprised if at a minimum he doesn't show up as some sort of cameo in a post-credit scene or in episode six and some very minute capacity where he at least is introduced. Okay. I, I agree with you. You can't do all this and not introduce who could be your next big bad villain. Cause time and the multiverse seems to be your next infinity scale event. And Kang may be your Thanos equivalent inside of that realm and not having him appear here, even just maybe a name, I think would be a bit of a missed opportunity for the MCU as a whole, just to do that, you know, post-credit Avengers 1 Thanos smile tease with something with Kang in here, right? It doesn't doesn't mean that it is required watching for your general audience to understand that, right? Not everyone knew who the hell Thor was, or Thor, Thanos was at the end of Avengers 1. A lot of people thought it was a Hellboy, but then it evolved mm-hmm. into something bigger, right? They, they, they bridged that gap, and that was a lot, or a much bigger nod to people like us that kind of understood what potentially could happen, and boom, it, it took another 10 years, but here we are. So a Kang-like nod in that capacity, I think, is a real possibility. Yeah, and if you just look at the movies that they have on the slate, it, 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 they're tailor-made for having Kang have a bigger and bigger build up through those post credit scenes or mm-hmm. maybe even scenes within the films uh, that are extended cameos, kind of like Thanos and guardians yeah. one. Right. And yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's gotta be King as your big, bad, I'm, whatever time saga villain. That's ex- it's to me. That's it. That's our next 10 years of films is building to some crazy time warp crossover thing that they're going to do. It could lead in so many different directions and opens a lot of avenues. It, it is a, a bit scary from a you know a nice cohesive narrative perspective, but hell, they, they're going to prove us wrong each and every time, like they have with this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it it's funny that you say that because I was kind of looking back and it's like the the show I was looking forward to the least ended up being the one that I loved the most, mm-hmm. and the ones that I was kind of chomping at the bit for were like not a letdown, but they, they didn't live up to what I think their potential could have been. So yeah, you, you just never know. You truly never know. You just got to give it a try. I no point the, getting mad now. Well, that's the biggest thing, right? Is we can speculate, we can anticipate as much as we want, but until we've got the full scope of the show in front of us, I, we're never truly going to know. And I think that nicely segues into our final topic for tonight, and that's talking Black Widow. You know, we talk so much about this forward-progressing narrative, this time thing, what they're doing into Phase 4 and Phase 5. 
And this movie that's coming out in Black Widow, which was meant to come out in May of 2020, so we've seen over a year delay in this one, and a hard and fast sticking to this is a theatrical release for this character, which, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we're going to get it on Disney+, Plus, but I think it's really cool of Marvel just to kind of stick to their guns and say, no, Black Widow gets the theatrical release. This is the way it was meant, and this is the way it was supposed to be. This character deserved this sort of fanfare and this sort of opportunity for us to see her on the big screen. But the thing with this character and with this movie is like Loki, we have seen the beginning, middle, and end of this character inside of the MCU in a very fitting fashion in Endgame. And now we're going to take a step backwards in chronological order here and watch a film that takes place after 2016's Civil War. So in real timeline, we're going back almost 10 years inside of the MCU timeline if you count the five-year jump and all that. So it's, it's a big step backwards, and... It is taking out of contextualization a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about and we've been getting excited about. It's going to be potentially sitting inside of a much more contained story and telling us the origins of Black Widow while also adding pieces likely to this larger build and forward narrative that we're always watching inside of the MCU. So, Carlos, bring bring some of your thoughts to the table. We've talked about Black Widow a lot. We've talked about trailers. We've talked about the delay of the film and all this stuff. But... Where does your overall anticipation sit for Black Widow, given everything that we're seeing right now, given the way the world is right now, and how are you going to be consuming this? Yeah, like I, I'm not jumping up and down over it, but I think it's just a byproduct of the delay mm-hmm. with the movie coming out because heading into May 2020, I was probably a lot more excited than I am now type of thing. And and that's going to be the scenario that plays out for for a bunch of movies, except for Jurassic World Domination, because yeah. that's going to be the greatest thing ever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not uh, I'm not going crazy for it, but I'm really looking forward to sitting down and watching a new MCU movie, and I'm pretty excited about Florence Pugh being brought to the forefront, and I really like Rachel Weiss and David Harbour, and so to see all of them kind of play in this uh, space will be pretty cool. So, yeah, like my anticipation's a bit muted, and uh, and maybe because I've been doing like a Daniel Craig James Bond rewatch, my spy thriller itch has been scratched mm-hmm. a bit, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm certainly going to be there on opening day so to speak and uh consuming it via disney plus so we uh we reconnected with my best buddy a couple just last week i guess now that we're all fully vaxxed up and whatnot and the topic came up and we decided to just host him again this weekend and we're going to be doing it on disney plus type of thing and I i did the math and it's like 80 bucks in my pocket versus us <laughs> taking him to the theater type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll gladly pay for that premium access. And the other thing, too, is you have it into perpetuity. So if I love the movie and want to watch it again on Sunday, it's right there at my fingertips type of thing. So Is that how the Disney be, Plus uh, premium be... rentals work? Is that you just get it forever? Yeah, well, as long as you have a membership with Disney Plus. So, yeah, you'll have it from the minute you rent it until it becomes like, I think that one is for general subscribers, like November or something mm-hmm. like that. Like it's quite a ways out. Yeah. So 
Yeah, that'll be that'll be how I do it. But that's how Mulan and Rhea and Cruella worked, I guess. So Okay, yeah, we yeah, didn't we haven't purchased we didn't purchase we haven't purchased anything off Disney Plus yet, actually. I'm being completely honest with you. But we just watched Rhea and the Lost Dragon. It's quite good. Yeah, we haven't made it to that one, but we did watch Cruella. Mm-hmm. And man, nobody hates Disney live action remakes like me. Like Lion King, sorry, honey. It is the worst movie I paid money for in 2019 or whenever that thing came out. But Cruella, man, that is one of my favorite Disney movies ever. I just wow. loved it. Like, so creative and, like, such a cool visual style. And, yeah, I highly recommend Cruella. It was fantastic. Emma Stone crushed it in that role. And it was a really neat and compelling twist on the story. So, yeah, I... uh I don't know what I expected going in, but I absolutely adored Cruella. So it uh, it made up for a lot of sins like Cinderella and whatever other garbage ones I <laughs> suffered through before. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, you know, getting back to, to Black Widow here, I'm going to be consuming it in a similar fashion. I haven't quite figured out exactly where I'm going to do it, probably in the same place I'm sitting right now. But Disney Plus seems to be the best option. I've been trying to find out a local drive-in theater if they're going to get it or not. I called the guy the other day and he said, oh, when does that come out? And I'm thinking to myself, dude, this is probably going to be like your biggest film of the summer. How do you not know when this comes out? So does that come out in Canada? I'm said, I'm said, I'm fairly certain this is going to be the biggest movie of the summer. And so he's like, oh, okay. We don't have a great relationship with Disney, but maybe we'll get it. And so I'm thinking, ah, man, that would have been really cool to see a drive-in big screen and go late at night and, and do the whole movie experience, but not like the true, like sitting beside people movie experience. But given my conversation with this guy, it looks like it's going to be a Disney plus rental, which I'm, which I'm happy with. And that information that you gave me got, has me excited because I can just download onto my a tablet or something too, and watch it kind of throughout the trip and all that as well. Yeah. Which, uh, which yeah, I'm man, you roll up with. at that drive-in. It sounds like you'd be watching minions two come the ninth. Well, I can tell you right now <laughs> that fast and the furious is playing nine or whatever so i can watch the the intro for dominion and then nod off (laughs) but yeah i i agree with you my and i love the word that you used when you described your anticipation as being a bit muted i find i'm in a very similar space i'm not at the same anticipation level not even close to be honest with you that i have been in the past with other mcu films and i don't know if it's because i've gotten my mcu fix almost on a weekly basis since wandavision dropped Or if, like you, I'm kind of a bit past the property because I'm so much in tune with what is coming next. Now, this doesn't go to say that I'm not excited for the film. I'm just not at the same level I was, say, for Far From Home or for Endgame or Infinity War. Yeah, those are maybe a bit anomalous, but even going back a bit further to your Ragnaroks and that, that I have been in the past. But I still think this film is going to be an absolute kick-ass film you know everything that they've showed i've tried to stay away from a lot of the stuff in the last four or five months because i've been worried that they're going to show too too much of it but this character not only does she deserve this outing in a solo film but i think it's gonna be incredibly interesting to see how they insert this film into the mcu and give widow a proper backstory yes we got a little bit of it from age of ultron bits and pieces as she's been kind of really drawn out through the MCU inside of these different franchises, whether it's Avengers or the Captain America series. But 
I think it's going to do a lot for the character. And to be honest with you, I think it's going to be do a lot for your Falcon, Winter Soldier, Captain America sort of series as well. You know, I think there's a cameo in there that's been rumored to also be be part of Black Widow. And yes, this is going to be going back in the timeline, but I still think it's going to have implications for what we're seeing on screen now, particularly with Florence Pugh, maybe some of the stuff that's going to be picked up inside of a future Captain America 4 film. But overall, yeah, I'm excited, but I'm not that, you know, rushing out to the theater. You know, a lot of that apprehension could come to with my lack of comfort about going to the actual theater and being on vacation a little bit that it's just not there for me. But I'm going to be watching this opening weekend and we're going to be talking about it at some point here. Not sure exactly when we're going to be breaking this film down, but I'm stoked, man. I'm I'm really stoked to see what they're going to do here. Taskmaster, Red Guardian, you know, the potential for guys like General Ross and Steve Rogers, maybe in an end of of movie cameo. There's a lot here. And I think this is, we're going to walk out of this being like, wow, like similar to Loki, this is a film we said, ah, you know, I really wish they had done this before. or, Or do we need this movie? You know, I think we've always needed it, but do we need this story? I think we're going to walk out of it and be like, wow, yes, we needed all of this. And this gets us excited for what is next in this widow space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. Like, they, even a bad MCU film is a decent time in front yeah. of the screen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can count on, I don't even need all the fingers on one hand for the movies that I have a hard time sitting through in that franchise, right? So, yeah, it, it'll be cool. And uh, kind of like I said about Spider-Man, if I don't like this one, I'm pretty sure there'll be another Marvel Cinematic Universe film for me to uh, try my taste out on. <laughs> you get three more this year and a couple more shows as well. So let's talk predictions. Let's talk about what this film needs to be. Does it Does it just need to be a platform, a foundation for the character of Black Widow? Does it need to be giving Scarlett Johansson that two-plus-hour window that she's yet to get inside of the MCU to give this character the proper send-off and the proper origin story that she does indeed deserve. Like, we don't want to go into too many details, but but what is it? What is it that this film needs to do for you? For me, it, it's got to set up a, a bit of a, a foundation for not only what... Natasha Romanoff is all about, but kind of the Black Widow as an entity and the the spy agency or spy family that we've obviously seen teased in the first two trailers. That's all I've watched. So I need a foundation there, but I also need a passing of the torch. Like I'm pretty convinced that uh, Yelena is going to be our new Black Widow going forward type of thing. So I want to see them establish that character and give us a really solid legacy character that we can share for going forward. Kind of the same way they did with Sam Wilson becoming Captain America. You were good with that because you got to see that progression and you got to grow with the character. And then you knew and loved him when he, before he picked up the shield and then when he took on the mantle kind of thing. So I want to see that same thing kind of play out in the black widow space where, uh, they establish Elena, they establish their shared history and what the dynamic is and then why um, we should be rooting for her when she becomes our de facto Black Widow. So that, that's kind of what my ask is from the movie. 
Yeah, and on this one, for me, to be honest with you, what do I need this film to be? I need to be about the character of Black Widow. I need it to be giving her that origin story that, that we have yet to get. I've always loved this character, and we've seen bits and pieces of her origin story, whether it be in Age of Ultron or smattered through the Captain America series. This needs to give a strong outing for that character and to give us some insight as to where she came from. But like you, I agree with you. This also needs to be something that sets up the next step for this character while also honoring the legacy of Black Widow. I agree with you too that the character of the Alina is going to be the next Black Widow. And we want to be in a similar space that we were with Sam Wilson when he was accepting the shield from Captain America, that we're cheering that on. We're ready to move to that space. So I agree with you. I agree that that's where this all needs to go. We need to be standing up at the end of the film saying, this is the next step. This is where it's going. You know, maybe we see her inside of the Captain America 4 film or inside of that franchise because we've always seen a much more of an inherent link between those two franchises or do we see her in the young avengers i think there's a lot they can do with the character of black widow and i'm excited to see the legacy of that character continue on into something else as we continue to see the step evolution of our legacy characters or legacy avengers into something different and that excites me look where we've gone in the disney plus look where we're going with some of these characters i think the black widow although personally i find that that was a bit of a shock when she did pass inside of those films, when she did move on from this character and we did see her demise inside of Endgame. But I'm excited for what the next steps are with a new character in this role. Now let's let's talk about box office. This is something that we talk about a lot and then a room was something we haven't talked about in like a year and a half. We have this box office pool we do every year. You even have a golden statue that sits behind you inside of the Batcave. I do. It shows how good you are at box office predictions. So what is this? Back-to-back pandemic champ. What does this film do? It is our first big MCU theatrical release inside of 2021. Our first one in two years. Arguably the first big movie release. I know we got Fast and the Furious and all that. But to me, this is the big one. This is your Four Quadrants film. This is the film that people may be going to, going to make that effort for to get out and see it in theater. So what does it do? Oh, so what did Fast and Furious do? Like 80, 70, mm-hmm. 80? Yeah. I'm going to say... Oh, you know what? I'll give it to my girl, Natasha. And I imagine there's a lot of people that are like wanting to strike the drum with their first trip back to the theaters and that say 101 Ooh. 101 Ooh. million okay i'm gonna go a little bit more bold than you did there i'm going to say 110 million dollars oh 110 shoot i thought i was high look this is a marvel film it is the first time that canada and the u.s have been substantially opened in the past two years, I think this has real potential to beat that $100 million mark and people may be making that effort to get out there. So $110 million, that is what I am predicting on this one. Now, we would like to hear what you guys think is going to be happening with Black Widow. What's going on in this film? What are your predictions, not only inside of the film, but inside of the box office? And you can always 
let us know over at thenerdm at gmail.com. You can use hashtag WeTheNerd to catch us over on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. You know we guys you guys know we like to hang out on Twitter and talk to Bay Nerd. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. And guys, the hunt is real. You can find it over on Instagram at the nerdrm. You can see myself, Carlos, and Troy chronicling our plastic finds over there each and every week. You can see the picture of my state puff marshmallow man, McFarlane's from Carlos, as well as the flux capacitor. My dad's custom flux capacitor is going to be going up there as this episode drops. So head over there and check out everything else. And everyone, I hope you're enjoying yourselves. I have found a new breath of fresh air going on this trip, seeing my family as things start to safely open up, as everyone starts to get vaccinated. I hope you're taking that opportunity as well to enjoy the things, the little things that we have not been able to enjoy over the past year and a half. And however you choose to be safe about it, I hope that you continue to be healthy and happy. Now, with all that being said, guys, until next week, where we will be back in some capacity for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.